Welcome to Voices from the Dales with me, Andrew Fagg. This is a podcast published by the Dales Countryside Museum in Hawes. And this is the first of at least six episodes of a series two all about Dales dialect. It's inspired by recordings made 50 years ago with a handful of people from the watery village of Gale and the next door town of Hawes in Upper Wensleydale. Recordings which until now have been hidden away. My special guests throughout this series are two local people, Val Ward. He hadn't much patience for young children, I recall. And her husband, Rob Ward. Taylor was a very handsome fellow, he was, and a very tall fellow. He was a spitting image of Gary Cooper. Rob and Val, who are in their 80s, will remember for us those people who gave their oral histories as well as the characters immortalised in the dialect poetry of a very little-known writer, the late street sweeper, George Calvert. Whatever is to come and we, said Susie to Valkit. Odd on, lass, till I get me wind, I'll tell that in a bit. In this first episode, our main voice will be that of a woman called Lizzie Dinsdale. I have a meal and a little bit of fat nutsy meat and a bit of salt. But first, allow me to introduce Dale's dialect and make the case for it. I've come to Hawes Methodist Cemetery, the eastern entry of the town, and I'm looking west into the faces of mainly black, polished gravestones. The horizons all around are the high fells, Great Shunner to the north, on my right, Weatherfell to the south, on my left, Whittlefell, straight ahead in the distance, although wrapped in fog. Here are buried the people who called the village of Gale and the tiny town of Hawes home, or Hiem, as we'd say in dialect, after the Norse men and women who settled in this place a thousand years ago. I'm actually stood at the foot of my dad's grave, Reg Fag brackets Reggie, it says on the stone, and there he is in miniature, an engraved figure fishing from a boat. In the grave immediately behind him is my granddad, James Metcalf Fawcett, the gravestone says. What dialect I use comes mainly from him. I can hear him calling me, you get pezhead, which means you great peahead. Immediately behind him, in the next row, is Richard Dinsdall, he was my Sunday school teacher at Gale. You've got to have a bit of fun, he used to say. In the next row is a person I don't know, and behind them, and this is the reason I'm here, is the resting place of Rev James Alderson. It was Reverend James, a Methodist minister who grew up in Gale, who wrote the history of this parish in 1980, in a book called Under Weather Fell. From here I can see he died 26 August 1999, aged 90 years. In his parish history is a 12-point primer on Dale's dialect, and that will be our guide. Here's one characteristic of dialect to start with. The habit of lengthening vowel sounds is the way he put it. In effect, it's where a one-syllable word becomes a two-syllable word. So, whole becomes whole, face becomes fierce, head becomes heard, door becomes doer, boat becomes boat. The people at the back of this graveyard might be said to be long since dead. 
Or what about another example? I went over where they fell a few miles away to the Marsit Chapel sing-along last year. The preacher invited members of the congregation to suggest a hymn from the book. A man with working hands put a thick finger in the air and said, Fower to Fower. Not far too far, but Fower to Fower. Which leads me to the main point of this introduction. Some people think if you speak dialect you're being affected. False. You're putting it on, they might say. In one sense they'd be right. Nobody today grows up speaking the Dales dialect of old when it truly was a tongue in its own right. But my reason for speaking dialect phrases or words is simply this. I think they sound better. Fower as a sound is richer than for. To say Rev James's Fower rose back from me dad is more colourful than Rev James's for rose back, don't you think? Let me give you a line from the Wensleydale dialect poet John Thwaite, whose poems written in the 1920s were read in episode 4 of series 1. A farmer comes into the ring at Hawes Auction Mart with a cow to sell, but the bid is unsatisfactory. I'll not tact, says the farmer in the poem. I'll not tact. In the King's English it would be, I will not take it, as in, I'll not take your bid, and I will run my animal through the ring unsold. I'll not tact. How about it, for richness of expression? If I choose to use dialect, it's not because I want to show off any native credentials. It's because Dale's dialect knocks the socks off of the King's English. So come with me. Let's enter the archive. Oh, have a cakes, I like them. Can you tell us what you used to put in your have a cakes, then? Aye. Have a meal, if you know what that is. What, been something like oatmeal? It is oatmeal, but we could have a meal. Have a meal and a little bit of fat nuts in each and a bit of salt, and then you mixed it up. I think it was maybe milk and water. This is the late Lizzie Dinsdale, speaking in the 1970s about her daily bread, a large, round flatbread made of oats called haver cake, haver being the old Norse word for oats, which were once grown in these hills. The recording was bequeathed to the Dales Countryside Museum by a man from Bradford called Trevor Sharp. It's Trevor Sharp who's asking the questions. He came to the Dales with youth volunteers to study folk music and history. He used a reel-to-reel tape recorder, and it was only two years ago that the museum digitised his collection. And what treasures have been revealed? Have a meal, and a little bit of fat nuts in each, and a bit of salt, and then you mixed it up, I think it was maybe milk and water, and you rolled it out on a good big board, right round, and thin, and you couldn't lift it up, Yet to put a hunting underneath. She's saying the ingredients for have a cake were oatmeal, a little bit of fat, not so much, much, and salt. It was mixed with milk and water. Water. You rowled it out. Rolled on a good big board. Great big board. And you couldn't lift it up, you had to put it in a oven tin. Oven tin underneath to get it. We'll listen to the rest of the recipe in a moment, but it's time to bring in Rob Ward. Rob is a retired blacksmith. I asked him to remember Lizzie Dinsdale, 
and the tale he told was about when Lizzie was living with her brother, Awin Tom, at a farm in Midmosdal, a couple of miles out of Hawes. I used to do a lot of oxy settling welding and Awin Tom, single horse deer in mowing machine, had broken a casting. And so I went up, I went up, and Liz was in the kitchen, and she said that, I says, where's Tom? She says, he's over at field with us. And she says, as you go, I will take him his breakfast hour. And it was uh, a bit of bacon and a big rail of a big bowl of porridge. And I put him in, she put him in back and pick up on the tray and I went very steady. And when I got there, I said, Tom, here's the breakfast. I says, I'll have a look at my shine. And breakfast was just covered with black midges, was his porridge. And uh, I says to Tom, I'm sorry, I should have that covered up, Tom. He says, no, that's not, lad, he says. And he ate the lot, midges and lot. I says, well, no, there's none in arm. He says, no, the protein is them, lad. They never have done me arm. Liz was in kitchen, Rob said in that story, which illustrated the frugality of Dale's folk. How's about midges on porridge rather than sugar? Let's return to the have a cake recipe. You'll hear another man in the room with Lizzie and Trevor Sharp. It's Kit Calvert. And you roll it out on a good big board right round and thin. And you couldn't lift it up. You had to put a home tin underneath oh, yeah. to get it. And then you slithered it onto a good big... It would be iron was Kit. They called it Buxton. Ah, uh, Buxton. Ah, they did. Uh, it. it had a big handle. It was like, like uh, a frying pan with edges off. It was. Yes, that was it. So from the oven tin, the have cake was slid onto a flat piece of iron called a Baxton. Backstone or bakestone. A frying pan with the edges off, as Kit Calvert describes it. Did you hear how she addressed her question to Kit? It would be iron was Kit. It would be iron was Kit. It would be iron, wasn't it, Kit? In that one phrase, wast Kit, we see the economy of speech that marks out dialect. Wast makes wasn't it sound cumbersome. It would be iron, wast Kit. They called it Buxton. Ah, uh, Buxton. Ah, they did. Uh, it had a big handle. It was like, like uh, a frying pan with edges off. It was. Yes, that was it. And a thick bottom it had. Ah, uh, uh, it had. And you got to get a nice red fire and you slip this uh, onto this oven tin and then you slipped it onto your wattest and then it baked a bit and then when it was ready for turning. The backstone had a big bottom, bottom. You had to get a nice red fire and you slipped the haver cake into your oven tin and then into your, into your what? I had to ask Rob Ward to decipher that. Onto this oven tin and then you slipped it onto your wattest. Aren't you what? What is? What's Maybe that? What it, well, well, if you if you couldn't get it out right away, you used to say, "Me, what is it?" You know, because she just couldn't recall at the moment it was a a pan or a flatbed so much. She says, "You just flip it over and put it onto me. What is it?" <laughs> That's what. What is it, man? Right. And you got to get, get a nice red fire, and you. Slip this uh, onto this oven tin and then you slipped it onto your wattest and then it baked a bit and then when it was ready for turning 
you to get another tune, another uh-huh. breaking tune, and put you on underneath, and one on the top, and you, you fetched it out, and then you turned it over that way, and slipped it back uh-huh. on into the pan. And then you had uh, like a thing, rather like a blackboard, uh-huh. with uh-huh. two big nails sticking out. And when they come off Buxton, you put them on the nails right. to dry, yes. dry off. The have a cake bakes, bakes a bit. There's the lengthening of the vowel sound, making one syllable into two. And you turn the have a cake and then you hang them to dry on nails. And when they come off Buxton, you put them on the nails right. to dry, yes. dry off. And the wire boog. Oh, I love it. <laughs> And we always had a day making that of who right on. Aye. And that was for, went out for part on for drinking. Aye. Indeed. Aye. She says the Aulis always had a day making them afore, before, hay time. And they went out as part of the drinking. The drinking was the refreshments women would take to the workers in the hayfield. Just listen once more to how she says the word good. And the wild <laughs> they were good. Ooh, take me to that kitchen, if only. To finish, let's have a minute of Lizzie Dinsdale without interruption. Here she is on another subject, doing what she calls a man's part in the hayfield in summer. A railway branch line used to run through Wensdale, connecting horse to the main line at Garsdale. Lizzie said she was in the hayfield from seven in the morning when the first train came past to nine at night when the last train went by. I've had many a hard day had to take a man's part. I had. What did that mean? Well, I had to do my men's work, if you know what that is. What time would you be up in the morning? Well, I can tell you our time. I don't know how long I'd been it failed, but there was a seventh train go down. And I was it failed then. And there was an iron train went up at night. And I was in then. I was still in. Yeah. And uh, how, how much longer I couldn't tell you. If another train had come, I might have been able to tell you. And what would you have been doing all that time then? Cutting and... Strawing and tulling and mewing and... How there was to do. Maybe straw, uh, doing cocks out. That's it, doing straw and cocks out and such like. It was hard work, I'll tell you. You were on your feet all day. I was, because I was no hand with a horse. I couldn't take a horse job. I'd rather, be, I'd rather be working. Next time on Voices from the Dales, in a fortnight, we'll have more from Rob Ward, and Val will come in too, and we'll hear the voice of Reverend James. Thank you for listening. <laughs>